0: You don't need to be plugged into the matrix and system. You don't need to work 9 to 5 to make money, to pay for the apartment, to pay for food, because food grows on trees. Not everybody's built to work in you know 90% of commercial jobs that people are created. If you're an artist, it, you know, good luck making money. This is Chair, a place
1: where we discuss innovations. Our guest today, Yank Milunovic, strongly said no to living in a fear of 9 to 5. He used to advise big banks and investors, work in huge international companies like Sberbank and Sony, built and advised many startups. But at one point, Janko realized that the corporate world was not for him, so he abandoned it. Yanko, uh, pleasure to have you here today.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nemanja. Pleasure.
1: Uh, we here talk about innovations, and that's a core about what we talk here. And I'm sure that we are going to touch base innovation in our conversation today, but First, I want to start from your story. Okay. I want to start from your career experiences, choices that you made, and uh, how you came from being successful leader, senior in a in a huge companies, to make a big shift and uh, do what you're doing today.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the compliments. Successful leader. Um, I I don't see myself as such. You know, I'm not saying that I'm not successful, but you know. Um, the thing is, well, sh- long story short, and then you ask questions, um, born and raised in Serbia, I actually studied, you know, up this street, uh, phone, yeah. I finished my undergraduate studies and then, uh, I always dreamt of, you know, setting myself abroad and, um, and I entered actually, the, the funny thing is, you know, I, I started studying that it was, it's the only business or management, uh, accredited school in Serbia because I wanted to work in creative industry. I wanted to make um, TV commercials and ads. And then I started studying that, and then I realized this is a world of marketing and what, you know, what it means to do that, and I ended up studying quality control and project management, which is completely the opposite. And when I started studying quality control, I also had in my mind, I'm gonna work on um, oil rigs, and I'll, I'm gonna make a lot of money. I'm not gonna do a lot of work. They're <laughs> gonna fly me with a helicopter there, fly me back, Obviously did not happen um, and and sort of you know following the path of many or whatever we are taught What is imposed on us? I, I got some scholarship. I uh, set off myself to um, Greece Athens where I did MBA Could not stay for longer because there are riots happening there They actually burned part of my school in that one year um, <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> Which forced me to move to France and um, When you look backwards, you know, these things seem like uh, accidents, random events, taking you somewhere, but then you start seeing the larger scene behind it. I ended up studying strategy in in, in France in in a really good school um, and wanted to be strategy consultant, got some uh, dream job, I'd say, but could not get a work permit to move to London, which was unfortunate at the time, Um, but um, went through a process with Sony, as you mentioned, and ended up uh, working for them on a leadership track. Um, And I worked early on in in, in innovation teams from, you know, setting up new online stores then in future business innovation team in London. Um, And when I made the progress with my career enough that I I got promoted or offered the position I dreamt of, that's when it clicked for me uh, because it it takes a little bit of time to get into a system and understand the system from within and system I'm talking about, the corporates. And I realized it's it's just not for me. You know, I I was the rebellious one. I was so many times I got... uh, heads up, warnings, um, you know, getting fired or, or whatever, punished for the things I've been doing. And I was just trying to innovate and, and make things different. Um, left that and I had my first company uh, that was in between Belgium and Serbia. And slowly, you know, through that, I, I stayed in that, always in that um, entrepreneurial world. Uh, it, it took me different places. Um, the first company was not successful as we imagined. I actually ended up almost bankrupt. I um, had to accept the job in a corporate again. Um, and, and then slowly I started making my moves, had some agency on the side, did some consulting uh, with a couple of friends and with the help of, uh, of an event from uh, Vienna called Pioneers. We raised some money from the World Bank, um, did hyper acceleration of startups, some testing, um, does it work or not, They have mentoring. And that took me later to Berlin. Uh, I worked in early stage, early, early stage fund or called so uh, accelerator. Um, I was first head of entrepreneurs in residence, meaning advising and working with a lot of startups, managing teams of, of consultants and, you know, working alongside founders um, and moved slowly to the position of uh, chief operating officer. And um, you know, from that point, I, I really wanted to um, go and raise a fund and invest in startups. But you know, a- as you grow, as you do things, as you start tapping and into new worlds and opportunities, you also start maturing and and realizing, is it it or not? You know, when somebody tells you, um, you know, you see people driving nice cars and you're like, oh, I really wish I had that car. And once you sit in a car, does it really make you happy or not? Maybe for an hour, maybe for a few days, you know, and, and, and the same there, uh, you know, in this position, oh, we are going to raise a fund and, and there was a good opportunity for it. But I was just um, I was just, no, you know, I'm not going to wait for seventy years and, and, and sit be in, in the backseat and observe what other people are doing, innovating and supporting the innovation. I wanted to be part of it. So I went back to entrepreneurship and, and I joined one of the portfolio companies, company we invested in uh, before from uh, South Africa, and they wanted to expand into the United States. I helped them uh, raise the funding and we got accepted to 500 startups which is quite uh, yeah. you know uh, eminent accelerator pretty pretty cool uh, um, and we I can you mo-
1: share some story from from, from that part uh, I, I can imagine it it's
0: pretty cool it's really cool I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's understatement but <probably. laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean it, it's hard to get see by, by combinator 500 startups sorry the top two and and I forgot the uh, uh, you know the, the rate um, for accepting startups, I forgot, it's kind of easier to get a scholarship at Harvard than to get accepted into 500 startups. Obviously, you know, there is there is some success, what you've done before. There is a, there is a lot of luck as a component. Um, like always. Yeah. But uh, that was one of the last programs that happened um, physically, you know. It was in 2017, I think. And uh, it's pretty cool. They they stuck into this ugly-ass space, downtown San Francisco. There is around 30 companies, so um, times 2.5 founders, so less than 100 founders. And what they started saying from day one uh, was um, make friends. And the the, the community here, these other founders are everything for you. You know, we came there. I came with a mindset. My, My job was to raise funds. Help us move the company to the United States, and but I was like, you know, I want to raise money, I want introduction to investors. They kept on repeating Marvin, uh, who's a friend, and and he was the head of program. He was saying, just make friends, you know, and I was like, well, what do you <laughs> what do you mean? At the end of the day, you know, like looking backwards now, i have so many close friends from that batch 22, um, and it's it's the it's it's the biggest uh, wealth you can you can get are those peer connections because. You know, you learn from them. You learn from their, their experiences. You They're share yours. Learning
1: from yeah,
0: um, it, it is a support. You know, uh, building your own company, it, it's tough. Building a startup, it's, I, I'd say, in most cases tougher because there's a lot of pressure. Grow fast, scale, you know, do all these things by yourself. Code, design, learn legals, write contracts, whatever. Um, and then that support feels good. And then some people take off, you know, and build huge companies so they can help you uh, get introductions to investors. Number one, but also maybe tomorrow, if you fail, they hire you or vice versa, you know? And it's, it's all of it, but the friendship is so strong. These bounds, we, we have weekly and biweekly calls. I have friends that I text with still, you know, and you see companies making progress, you learn so much. So a 500 start was extraordinary experience. And, and it was actually, I lived in many places in Europe and I traveled a lot. Uh, but then when I went to San Francisco, it was the first time I went to the States and I spent there two days. Um, and I literally said, I'm a wink. So I went to back to Berlin and i like, uh, you know... That's it. Yeah, that's it. This, <laughs> this fund is not happening. <laughs> but, but the US is happening. I don't know how. Um, I had no idea. I just went there on tourist visa and, and I figured out a way and, and ended up getting a green card. And um, after the program ended, um, I, I had some idea that is, that is an old idea. I could not get it out of my mind. I was so obsessed with creating this space um, for other creators a hotel and a members club that, that can host people in cities like San Francisco, New York, because it's so expensive to travel there. It's so hard to make new connections, meet new people outside conferences. And there was a lot of empty space. So you're just kind of putting the dots together. And so then I left uh, Payment24, the company I was with, um, I'm still part of it actually, and uh, started my own startup in San Francisco. Quickly, I moved you know, within months uh, to New York, the largest real estate market, we were in the real estate slash hospitality slash tech. New York is, is, is the mecca for it. And I met my co-founder there. We raised money, um, you know, spent a couple of years there. COVID stopped us. <laughs> we pivoted out of it. We did something amazing. Um, we worked a lot for the past year and a half. And right now we're taking a little bit of a break, uh, trying to figure out what's the best next step forward. And um, I have a couple of other smaller companies and projects that are running some passion projects as well. So yeah, that's, that's the career and the, story. the, the big, uh, the big project that you told me about, it's the Ethos project or? Well, there's a couple of Ethos. Ethos was initially the, the members club and the hotel. Um, Ethos remote is the pivot that happened during COVID yeah. and Ethos remote is, um, well, right now it's offering for companies that have distributed or remote workforce. Uh, we help them to bring their employees together. You know, if you have remote workers, so it's one-stop shop. You come, you can type in number of people, dates, budget, location. We'll pop up hotels, and you can travel there. We can facilitate the experience. The most important for us was that facilitation in itself, where we help people to, um, we help these companies with very light programming to, to to experience wellness of body and mind, deep human connection, and 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 a little bit of conscious living education. Practically, as I said. Uh, we plan this tiny seed of change and we hope they'll carry it forward, you know, and then and, and hopefully grow into it and, and take some of these learnings. And it's been going great. Um, we had some uh, difficulties raising funds and we also burned ourselves throughout the process because we had the downsize. So the last few months, it was just me and my co-founder working on it. And it's, it's a hell of a lot of work. So now we're taking a little bit of a break. Uh, we're working with some of the partners. We're still in talks with a couple of investors. Um, and that's, I that's mean, I have some smaller businesses and I have one passion project, which is about um, the parallel society and, and how do we create systems within a system of capitalistic society, that can transcend and b- become something of the future. How do we move forward from the states, governments, uh, systems that brought so much good to the society, but at the same time are so corrupted. You know, there is this hunger for power and, and misuse of power and, and that creates um, imbalance in a lot of ways. Um, how do we come back to, to preserving nature, uh, build uh, sustainably and, and responsibly and, and create communities um, and inspire people to do the same. You know, uh, So that's also actually uh, happening. Um, it's going pretty well and I'm very excited about it. sounds
1: about uh, it. extremely interesting and yeah. innovative. The, 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 uh, it is, it is in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. Can you share with me how you, how idea came to, to, to existence? How, I I understand your bankra-
0: background yeah. and uh, that you're a rebel <laughs> and everything, but uh, how this... The para Society. The yeah. para Society project is called uh, ParaEarth. Um, Para.Earth is the website. Um, so the thing is, it comes usually a lot of... And, and I used to work So talking about innovation. So just to, to kind of take a step back, I used to do um, creative problem solving and I used to teach people on that. I, I wrote my master thesis on... on, on actually, the topic is... Um, um, culture of, um, creative culture, organizational creative culture, but it's about how do you create, how do you use creativity to build a culture within a company and use different methods of talking in meetings, facilitating meetings, building analysis and and presentations and so on and so forth. So I'm I'm pretty much, I studied a lot of innovation and there is a difference in between creativity in simple terms to define it. So we don't have misunderstanding from my point, point of view is number of ideas that you can generate. Uh, you know, in a a defined period of time. Higher, higher creativity, right? Innovation is actually taking these ideas and turning them into something tangible. That is is innovation in, in happening. So when we talk about this idea, Power Earth is currently in innovation stage, but it hasn't yet come to fruition. We have done a lot of work and it came from our personal interpretation of the world. A lot of these ideas and creativity come from you, um you know you have this studio here set up right and, and then you start filming and you see you know the phone does not do well with the sound and then you're like okay i need to isolate the walls how do i do it and you can go and buy these sponges you can maybe use those those cardboards that hold eggs you know as people do and that's innovation in, in itself right and so so we ourselves you know i've been living in a city and you start observing um, I don't want to go too deep into this, so feel free to interrupt me, but you start observing that we come to a city, um, it's a society-imposed thing. There are buildings, there are apartments, and you want to come and live in London, right? And and you don't go and live where you want in London because it's not available, number one. Number two, in 99% of cases, you have financial constraints. So it's how much money can you pay okay and what is available and it and, and, exactly. and defines where you live in this city and then you live there in that city and your friends are scattered around your work is somewhere and your neighbors are not necessarily people you want to spend time with they might be you know and then when you live there for a while then you find a husband or wife or whatever and you start building a family and then it's kind of, oh, damn, it's so expensive to raise a child in London. It costs, I, I, I don't know how many thousand pounds a month, for instance, you know, to take a child to school and so on and so forth. And then you start bringing your mom, your dad, you fly them over because they live in Sheffield or they live in Norway or in Serbia. And, and it becomes just a torture, you know, and people are afraid then to build a family. They, it's 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 kind of like a hectic thing get get on a tube, get to get to work, you know, ride a bus, drive a car where they park, all of these things, you know and when when we look at backwards um in the history, we used to live in tribes and tribes live together in this small kind of you know tri- tri- hundred, tribal tribal something. Meter, right? yeah. And then, you know, if, if you observe there are tri- people living in tribes, obviously, right now in, in Amazonian jungle. And, and what they do, and some I spoke with and interviewed, is that kids that are age six or five, they take care of children that are age two to three. You know, then men go hunting, women prepare the food, or, you know, vice versa. So everybody lives together. You're you're older, you can't work, we'll provide for you. That's the purpose of a tribe. And it's very close to a family, right? And the world of opportunities open up, and there are shiny, glossy things in London. There are parties, there's museums, exhibitions. So we go there, we step out of the tribe, but then it becomes really difficult to live in the city. Um, And that's one thing, right? And then how do we go back to this community living? How do we surround... Ourselves living with friends and family. It's one life, it's short, it's precious, and time of death is unknown. So, do you want to live surrounded with people that don't inspire you? Do you want to be in constant hustle to get somewhere? Do you want to be in a position that you can't afford to raise a family or it's really difficult to have a second child because you simply can't, you know, balance the work and taking care of a child or you can't afford a nanny? So, all these things can be taken out of context, right? And um, that's one thing. Second thing about Power Earth is that. We build countries, what we call countries on blood. And, you know, somebody took a a mountain one day and said, this is my mountain because I have 50 people with swords and and they'll they'll, they'll cut off your head if you try (laughs) to walk this thing. That's how we build the countries, right? And so all the land in the world is claimed. You can't just go and say, I don't want to live in a city. I want to go in a field, put up a house and a tent, live on a tree. You can't. You know, you, you, don't, you don't need to be plugged into the matrix and system. You don't need to work nine to five to make money, to pay for the apartment, to pay for food, because food grows on trees. But you can't just go and pick it up. You need to buy the land. So some people can't afford to buy the land. They need to go back to nine to five. Not everybody's built to work in, you know, 90% of commercial jobs and people are creative. But in, in, in this country where we're sitting, Serbia, if you're an artist it you know good luck making money you know yeah and so that's part of it as well we buy land and we give it to people as residences in exchange for their creation you know we we grow organic food and 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 we sell it to the city so there's a trade with a capitalistic system which you use that back you plug that profit back in the system and and then you create uh, residences for people that want to come and work and stay there for a couple of days they can pay higher amount of money because they're making more money, use that money again to plug it back in the system, reinvest, build residences. And the most important thing is that you don't cut the trees. You use the existing um, land that has been used for cattle, which is one of the, you know, the meat industry, one of the main causes of global uh, climate change and pollution, and you preserve the tree, the trees and the forest. And then if you can have income per unit of land higher than what they sell the the, the the forest for, then you can afford to buy more and more forest and build the systems close to the forest so you can provide a solution for deforestation across the world and hopefully one day preserve the 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 rainforest. Because they sell it for nothing, for somebody to cut down those trees that are thousand years old, and then once they cut them down, they don't know what to do with it, then they take the, the stems out, and then they you know turn it into into massive fields, you know, to raise cattle on it. And and you know, you put the sheep and so on and so forth, and it's just it's destroying the soil, you know? And we have 60 years of soil left on planet Earth. You know, in our age, if somebody wants to have a family, what are your children gonna eat? And, and that's the reason why we came into this is like, we love the life, the life is everything around us, this is the planet Earth, how do we preserve this and provide something that people would be inspired by and create that system and part of the system also, the last, last pillar is um, a uh, education center that, you know, consists of some, Kind of a temple, meditation temple, and it has uh, a little bit of school and, and sharing of knowledge, so people can come and experience it, see if they like it or not. Uh, create content. So let's go back to Itos Remote. Uh, when
1: I did a research about you and what you guys do, uh, I saw that uh, that pictures and they bought me completely. Uh, the food, the meditation, the 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 atmosphere. Uh, um, Share with me from your
0: perspective. It is how, pretty cool.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I miss it. Well, it, it started with me. Well, when COVID started, I quickly moved out of New York. I lived with a friend upstate and then got together with a group of friends. And we said, well, why the heck would we stay in a city, you know, when cities shut down? So we got a house in North Carolina and beautiful house in, in some called, place called uh, Beach Mountain. And so we lived in this community of friends where one of them is a yogi teacher one is qigong practitioner uh, personal coach we had a whole one floor set up with sound meditation with all the singing balls and, and and a gong and and so we live this life you know out of dreams where you work cook healthy food do sound meditation do yoga work out, walk into nature and and then we start looking back at ethos which is our core business and where where are our community where's our community where are our members what what's going on and you know what are the challenges there that they're experiencing, and they were stuck in the cities by themselves or with a family in small space. All of these things, and we said, Why can't we bring them uh, what we are experiencing? And it was an opportunity to do so because hotels were going out of business. So, what we did initially is just bringing people from the cities, taking our hotel, and then bringing them there to come and live in this conscious community, right? Uh, where, where you know you have your private living space, we take care of the food, we make sure it's food that is. High vibrational food makes you feel good, light, and so on and so forth. Uh, we take care of uh, wellness of body and mind. So it's light programming, morning yoga. There are meditation breakouts or sound meditation and, and so on and so forth. Uh, we take care of um, deep human connections. So people talking around a fire. There are certain conversations and, and, and people coming together. Um, they're just just, just format that opens up, helps people to open up and, and move forward from small talks into some deeper topics, express themselves freely. And then uh, the third pillar was um, conscious living education and learning about the nature and environment and so on and so forth. So that's 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 ETA's remote and yeah. <laughs> what else do you want to know? We, we did it in some nice locations. Yeah, yeah. that was
1: it was amazing. You know, yeah, just yeah. looking at the pictures, I like, could imagine myself there, and I was like. How to sign sign up for this? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, We
0: did it. We took our first property in Maine, which is uh, the the northeast, uh, state in, in the in, in the U.S. close to the border with Canada, and we had hundred something acre property on a on a lake with a forest. I was pretty oh. damn cool. Uh, second one was done in Tulum on a beach in a place called Ical, which is part of our family, and it was gorgeous, um, really really nice place because Ical is such a beautiful hotel. Um, and it's in this, um, well, the, kind of like on the public side of the beach, but it's, it's, it's an, a nature preserve reservoir to an extent. And, you know, most of these places where you stay, um, your bathrooms are outside, so you live with the nature. <laughs> Have, uh, you know, a lot of animals walking on your toothbrush and sink and, and so on and so forth. And then we did it also in Sihuantanejo, uh, which is north of Acapulco. It's uh, west coast of Mexico as well in a place called Playa Viva. And we pick these places based on on, on their um, uh, their their mission. So Playa Viva, for instance, it's uh, regenerative travel. So they have I don't know um, a lot of things: the way that it's built, how they cook, where they source materials from. They they hire local locals and they teach them and educate them what to produce, not to use plastic. Um, they have like um, um, uh, they they work with turtles. They have this whole uh, I forgot how you call it, you know, place where you save turtles and. And then you can participate in these things and you can do uh, social, social good projects. You can go there meet locals and Playa Viva would organize it.
1: Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, pretty cool. So uh, you mentioned meditation many times and it's obviously a big part of your life. And um, lately I was uh, doing some my own research regarding meditation and things like that. And I, I read a book about um, psychedelic drugs, about LSD, about the guy who invented LSD. Okay. And uh, there was so many perspectives about ego and crushing the ego and what those things uh, uh, do to, to people and how can people uh, um, get value from that? What's your opinion, uh, your position on this point? Well, psychedelics and meditation, uh, or uh, both uh, combined? Uh, both
0: combined, maybe. Uh, well, it, it is, you know... I forgot who said that, but, uh, and I forgot the exact quote, but it goes something along the lines, if um, every person was able to sit with themselves uh, in silence, uh, we would have solved all the problems we have in the world, and the truth is so that we today are not able to be with ourselves, um, just in silence, doing nothing. You know, we live in sensory overwhelmed world. Phone, you know, constantly doing something. We don't. We 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 don't go to cinema by ourselves. It's kind of you know not socially acceptable, and it's not pleasant. Um, and and you know uh, we don't know who we are. We live the life of incurring wealth, not, never meeting ourselves truly. You know, we live in this stunning um, universe and, 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 and supreme nature reality where you dig a little bit deeper into biology or quantum physics, you start understanding that we don't know much and that things are so um, complicated and so um, important that you can only joke about them. And, and, you know, when you start digging into this, like, what are we created out of? What, what is the meaning of life? What happens, you know? Um, then you start discovering uh, more, more meaning to your life. So that is part of meditation. It's just by being there and hearing that, or realizing that you're not the product of your brain. That you're not what you see, hear, and interpret. That there is somebody, you know. You think, you think about. Oh, I feel like eating a pizza, but somebody's listening. That the brain wants pizza. Who is that that is listening? And you know, um, you're not the first one asking this question. <laughs> I mean, there, there, of course, there are books and philosophies and religions written on this. You know, they're they're amazing teachings. I I, I studied a little bit for a few years. Buddhism, you know, Hinduism, Eastern philosophies, um, and and people wrote. They said this is how it looks like. This, you know, you're stuck in samsara. It's repetitive lives um, until you, you figure out way way your your way out, and you should do so. That's that's Buddha's teachings and. Um, not to get into detail, so that's part of the meditation practice, and and I just uh, uh yeah, I, I I practice it, you know, uh, and it's part of my life. Um, and about psychedelics, um, it is a shortcut. I don't know if you read a book called Um, Stealing Fire, no, I haven't. it's an old book and talks about the state of flow and how I achieve the state of flow or full presence. Um, and, and there's a couple of uh incidents where you get into the state of flow, you get in state of flow with meditation, you, you require a lot of practice. Um, you get there with sensory deprivation tanks, um, kind of floating tanks yeah. where your neck is floating so you get the the, the, the center for balance, um, out of balance, it's not a gravity there, and then you sink into theta, state of mind. You get there uh, playing music, sports, insects in moment, orgasm. If you think of it, you know, it's it's a moment where you, you don't think about whether you're hungry, what's on TV, when is the next basketball game. You're, just, you, you're, you're just, just present being... with that. It, it, there is no there is no time. You don't have sense of time. You're just there being. Um, and It also happens with psychedelics. So it's one of the shortcuts to get into that state. And you know the latest research for for you know that happened in the last five six years talk about how psilocybin, the ingredient active ingredient of magic mushrooms, in the scans of that and acid LSD that you mentioned, they put on a shutdown the default mode network, uh, which practically serves to interpret the reality. So we see here we have these inputs and then you have to run them for something to get a meaning. And default mode network contains, they believe a function, and I'm simplifying this, um, that is a persona. So somebody says something to you, you're, you're, you look handsome and you know you, you have a beautiful shirt. You're like, oh, this guy's really nice and I feel good. Or he tells you something that you don't like, like, what the fuck? You know what, what's, what's up with that body? You know? And you're like, oh, that's not nice. And that interpretation, that function of ego, is how we interpret the world. And we oftentimes identify ourselves with ego. That's the life. And, and psychedelics oftentimes, most of these psychedelics you mentioned, they, they strip down the ego. They shut down the default mode network. That's first time scientists were confused. Like, how the heck the left and right brain communicate, the side of the brain communicate. How do we interpret reality if the default mode network is on a shutdown? But the fact is we do and we do without the ego. And then we discover you know, the book, uh, which is which is very commercial and, and um, widely spread book a few years ago written by Michael uh, Pollan, uh, How to Change Your Mind, and he goes into history of LSD and mushrooms and then in a usage case scenario and how can these be used as a medicinal uh, drugs today and then they're tremendously uh, well cures for many types of depression and so on and so forth. And what they do is they strip down that, that function of ego. They, they don't maybe crush it. I don't know what's the best word. They, they talk about death of ego. I, I don't interpret it that way. You can't kill it. You can coexist with it and you can decide. You, right? you, you decide, you know, same as meditation, decide whether you want to follow that thought, the dream you went into, and you know, when do you want to stop it and come back to reality? Because we live life, if you think about it, the moment any moment you're thinking, you're either in the future projected or the past. Or just you're telling a story to yourself. When you're truly present right now, right now, when you laugh, yeah, when you laugh, that's why we like laughing, you know, when, you, when you're dancing, right? When you're dancing, you know, it's an art in creation. You show a movement and it's gone. And then when you're just there, you know, sometimes you think, well, you dance, I guess, but most times no. That's why we chase these moments. That's why you check orgasm in sex, psychedelics, yeah, to be present with ourselves and not have worries. And worries are projections or interpretation of the past. So meditation helps as well. To just find uh, ground, uh, balance, harmony, and, and start meeting yourself? This was unconventional episode of Chair. <laughs> uh, you're
1: an unconven- unconventional guy, so I, I, I was thinking about this episode, and I uh, I thought it's going to be like this, and uh, I will usually I finish here with a future question, but uh, let's go unconventional again. I want to ask you, uh, from your career perspective, everything that you have done. Um, would you do it same all over again or well, you would do it
0: something differently? Now, when we talked about all the... The, the question is, would I be able to do it differently? <laughs> I, I don't think we're able, I, you know, um, well, I'm not going to go a lot into this philosophy. I'm happy with the choices I made because they brought me where I am. And, you know, things happen a certain way, um, exactly the way they were supposed to. You know why? Because they did. And you can't change them. So you have to accept the reality. And I, I love the reality as it is. Uh, um, yes, you know, my, my ego, my brain, my persona wishes for more of this. And it's constantly more. The grass is always greener for the ego. But in essence, I have everything I need right here at this point of time. And that's it. And so would I have done something differently? The only thing I talk a lot with a good friend of mine is maybe I wish I have studied some, some, some um, like uh, hardcore science, biology physics, uh, because I'm very passionate about that. I'm studying it today. So maybe um, I, I, I also think that business, for me at least, is a little bit easier to learn. And then I've seen a lot of people that come from that science background and then learn business later in their life. So I, I, I would advise younger, prospective, motivated students or yet to enroll in university, um, teenagers to, to think about that way of doing things. It's not all about business goals and business is kind of you pick it up. Uh, yeah, that's maybe the only thing. Yeah. Janko,
1: thank you so much for, for this conversation. And I joined a lot. And for you out there, uh, innovations next Thursday. Uh, subscribe uh, and enjoy. Pleasure. Thank you.